welcome to the Infinity Rose podcast, the only podcast that's perfectly balanced, as all things should be. My name is Isaac Edlin. I am your host tonight. And with me, I have a very special guest. It is John Vilness from... <laughs> okay, did I say your name wrong? Did I? Yeah, that's okay, because nobody gets Vinalus. it right on the first Vinalus? try. Vinalus. Vinalus. Okay, yes. I'm going to start that over because I don't want to pronounce it. Don't worry name. about it. No, just keep rolling. It's fine. <laughs> Everybody gets it wrong. <laughs> well, our gracious <laughs> guest is John <laughs> Vinalus from uh, the Two Geek Soup podcast and another podcast that he was just telling me about on our Patreon exclusive portion of the episode. You can uh, check out the Infinity Rose Patreon for unedited episodes uh, and all the goodies that everybody loves to hear. So make sure you go check that out. But um, John, welcome to the Infinity Rose podcast. And thank you so much for joining us. Isaac, I'm, I'm really thrilled. I've, uh, I, you know, we've uh, kind of kind of uh, interacted on Twitter a little bit and it's always mm-hmm. fun. And uh, and I'm, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, very excited to uh, discuss the MCU, among other things, on our Patreon. Uh, obviously, both share a love for um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And uh, with the episodes that I've listened to of Two Geek Soup, you guys do as well. Like, on, on discuss a lot of MCU content on your podcast. Yeah, it's... Uh, I didn't really expect it to be as much of an MCU podcast <laughs> as it kind of has turned <laughs> out to be. But we talk about other stuff, too, because the main thing of Two Geek Soup is looking at geek culture from a, a Christian perspective. And so... So there's a lot to mine in in the MCU and superhero stories in general are so full of these like big um, epic story structures that um, that kind of mirror the 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 great you know drama of redemption right because you start out with like a good status quo and then there's a fall and then there is redemption through sacrifice and restoration. You know, and that's sort of like that's sort of like the 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 broad structure of so much of superhero stories, and uh, and so we love to we love to dig into that. Yeah, absolutely. So, tell me a little bit more about you, mm-hmm. what you do, and your podcast. <laughs> and uh, you you mentioned on the Patreon as well that you are currently helping co-host another podcast as well. So tell us about that one too. Tell, yeah. tell us all about yourself. Well, um, so in uh, in my everyday life, I drive a concrete truck. So like that's not the most, that's far <laughs> from the most interesting thing about me. Um, but the, the thing that is great about that is that it allows me to listen to like tons and tons of audiobooks and podcasts like yeah, just all day long. Go. And so, you know, I just read... Um, I, I well, listened to a uh, a book about, you know, the the challenges of like creating um, and what they call alignment in AI uh, that Ooh. like basically keeping AI from like just totally going off the rails. OK, um, that's, so yeah, that's 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 a that's good thing to have a book about, I think. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, and and, you know, I just listen to tons of podcasts, uh, just current events uh, stuff and and theology and history and um and uh film criticism and and music and um but yeah i've uh, been doing two geek soup for for a while there was sort of a long hiatus and we got back into it a little bit last year and i've kind of been in a bit of a lull now as well but i'm hoping to uh to get some new stuff out soon i have a 
I, I sort of run mostly two geek soup and then I have a sort of a rotating cast of, of guest hosts uh, that, that join me there frequently. Um, and the other project that I am working on right now is called the narrow pod between pages. And if any of your listeners are aware of um, Patrick Rothfuss and the King killer Chronicle, then uh, they probably would enjoy uh, listening to that show, but it's a little bit too uh, niche for me to, to want to go into explaining very much more of it uh, than that right now. So you, you mentioned it's a, like a fantasy high fantasy type. Um, yeah, the King killer Chronicle, you could call it high fantasy. Um, uh, sort of, sort of, sort of kind of not really. Um, because it, the King Killer Chronicle is 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 great because it it plays around with your expectations of the tropes of the fantasy genre, and and so in that sense it's a little bit hard to nail down. Uh, but what it unequivocally is, oh, dang, I, okay, sorry, I need to stop <laughs> because I hate it when people do the what it is is no, that's <laughs> stupid, and I, I I hate myself for. Well, here's how you can it. change that phrase. Yeah. You can say what it is to you. Uh, or, well, no, because I, I don't want it to be that subjective. It, <laughs> oh. it is unequivocally a masterfully and beautifully written piece of fiction. And in my mind, one of the greatest fantasy novels of the last 20 years. Wow. And so uh, anyone who is even remotely interested in fantasy should absolutely read it. And anyone who enjoys um, really beautiful prose should also read it, even if they don't like fantasy. All right. Well, there you go. There's your there's your plug for The Name of the Wind. Is that what yes. Yeah, okay. that's the first book. Yep. Sorry, I, I want to make sure I'm getting these names right. So, <laughs> name of the way, and something that I am also going to check out because I mentioned to, to John on the P- Patreon exclusive portion that I'm kind of trying to get back into reading a little bit. I've been doing a lot more comic book reading, but like for the past, basically since college, I've been like, yeah, reading's dumb. I'm not doing <laughs> So trying to get back into it a little bit and um, dip my toes in. Uh, back into that world so writing that down for future reference well i think on the list of on the list of things that ought to be read uh pretty high is uh is what we want to talk about right absolutely we are going to be talking about dune part two later on in this podcast i I do have one thing that i want to get to first but yeah that's that's the main focus of this podcast um just released this week and man there have been some rave reviews on the interwebs about this movie like i've i've seen people say that this is already going to be the movie of 2024 that it's going to sweep the oscars that it is their personal favorite movie of all time have seen multiple people rank it 10 out of 10 on social feeds. And this is all, this is all social feed stuff. So, you know, take yeah, it with a grain sure. of salt, but still the fact that people are going on and on about how great this movie is certainly warrants a, a closer look at it. So that's what we're going to do today. But first we're going to talk about the infinity gauntlet. Are you a heel or a baby face? If you can make any flavor, cheese it. What would it be? Is it pronounced Grogu or Groku? 
If Keanu Reeves isn't in the movie, can it be star-studded? It's time for the Infinity Gauntlet, here on the Infinity Bros Podcast. So John, okay. John, the Infinity Gauntlet is a segment that we put all through our guests through. And what we do is we take a question from each of the Infinity Bros and we basically grill you with it. So, Oh, sweet. Okay, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's basically kind of a get-to-know-you segment for our guests. And uh, I guess we'll see if you can survive the Infinity Gauntlet. So, <laughs> so here we go. Uh, this one is from Infinity Bro Jarrett. He says, if you can change the ending to any movie, what would it be? Ooh, change the ending of a movie. All right. I'm trying to think of like, what's a movie whose ending really just sucked and like was was a detriment to the rest of the film? You know, I'm kind of... I'm drawing a blank on on like some of the some of the more like esoteric and like weird movies that I didn't get, and because I, I feel like something like that would be would be an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I tend to try and take things on their own on their own terms and appreciate it for what it is and not what I I wish it would be. Um, Except for except for Secret Invasion, we talked about that at length in in the Patreon. Yeah. Uh, we segment. can just forget that ever happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, that that's one that I would just like snap right out of existence. I don't need to change the ending; it just needs mm-hmm. to be gone just, entirely. Yeah, gone exactly. You know, uh, I I don't love uh, in Superman Returns that like the kid is actually his his son, and like it uh, it you know, and he like lifts the piano up and everything like. Superman Returns has it has some has some weaknesses to it, and uh, and I think I'd like to uh, to to uh, adjust you know some of that. Interesting, picking a uh, yeah, picking an old classic. I like because I like Brandon Routh as Superman. I think he's a great Chris Reeve stand-in, and I love that they used the John Williams theme in True. Superman Returns. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'd, okay, I'd say that we could, we could right. tweak Superman Returns a little bit. It could be a okay. better movie. All right. Yeah, I mean, there's so many movies that, like, if you just change one or two things, it could probably elevate that movie. And that's one of those movies that, like, yeah, it wasn't the worst movie in the world, but like, I don't remember much about that movie at all. It was, it was kind of forgettable. Yeah. So if you just are able to tweak a few things. Maybe you make that a great movie. Who knows? So there you go. All right. Number two question here is from Infinity for Robbie. He asks, you get the chance to talk with one director or writer from your favorite movie or comic book. Who do you pick and why? Oh, let's see. Director or writer i'll even expand that to uh writer of books as well he he specifically said comic books but like mm-hmm. you're a book guy so if you yeah. have a writer well, i'm, I'm a also book, i'm also very much a, a comic book uh guy right yeah you know I, I follow him on twitter and i always uh like what he has uh he's got a really entertaining presence on twitter uh uh j michael uh straczynski okay is, yeah it has been a uh sort of a kind of a powerhouse of a writer for a long time um 
you know, going back to the the nineties and Babylon five and, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I'm, I'm sure something else before that, but he's written tons of great comics too. Um, and not even like mainstream stuff, but like some, some indie stuff that he's written is, is really, really cool. Um, there's sort of like a heroes esque, uh, thing that he wrote called rising stars, uh, which was really cool. Um, and he wrote one of my very, very favorite runs on Spider-Man um, in the early 2000s where um, uh, Spider-Man encounters uh, the, uh, the, the the first of the inheritors that he ever meets mm-hmm. called Morlin. Yeah. And they're these, uh, they're these bad guys who like feed on like totemic power. Right. And, and he realizes that like, uh, perhaps the spider that gave him his power did not empower him because it was irradiated. Uh, but maybe it was, it was seeking him out already before that. It's not, it's not a mutated radioactive spider mm. that gave him the powers. It was the, it was seeking him out because he was like destined to be this like spider totem. And, and uh, it's like, it's a, it's just a great, it's a great run. And yeah. uh, it's super, it's super fun, and it was uh, it was part of the the timeline where like his relationship with Mary Jane was really rocky, and that made for interesting uh, drama there as well. Um, so yeah, Mike yeah. Uh, Straczynski nice. is uh, w- would be my pick. He's yeah, he's pretty answer. cool. I'd love That's to awesome. love to chat with him. One last question here for you. This is from me, and uh, this is. Uh, basically based on our, our conversation on the Patreon. So here you go. Um, if Kevin Feige handpicked you to be his successor, what would the future wow. of the MCU look like? Oh, it'd be bleak. I'm not, I'm not as smart <laughs> as, as, as Kevin Feige. You know, something that, that he has been so masterful about is, is, is taking the characters from the comics and and staying pretty true to the core of who they are and drawing inspiration from the big events of the last uh, 15 years or so and, and and sort of playing fast and loose with the details mm-hmm. and uh and if it were up to me i i i'd love to try and just continue in that vein um and and also not make quite as many uh, junky TV shows. <laughs> but yeah, there you go. If you had to pick like one major like comic event to adapt to the MCU, yeah. You know, I I was and we mentioned uh, Secret Invasion in passing. Uh, Secret Invasion deserves a an, a, an actual a true a, a, a real adaptation. actual adaptation. Right. Yeah. I would have I would have made Phase Four, Secret Invasion, yeah. such a big missed opportunity <laughs> with yeah. the Secret Invasion show that we got. Oof, sad, sad day. But with that, you have finished the Infinity Gauntlet and passed with flying colors. So, welcome, welcome to the Infinity Rose Podcast, John. <laughs> you made it. All right, so that's it for our uh, Infinity Gauntlet segment. Next, we're going to dive into Dune Part 2. 
So on the Infinity Bros Podcast, we have a special rating system. Here on the Infinity Bros Podcast, everything is ranked from a 0 to 6 point scale. 0 meaning horrible, and 6 meaning absolutely excellent. If all of the Infinity Bros rank something a 6, it gets an Infinity Snap. Dune Part 2. The sequel to Dune Part 1. Shocker. Uh, second of a two-part adaptation of the 1965 novel Dune by Frank Herbert follows Paul Atreides as he unites with the Fremen people of the desert planet Arrakis to wage war against House Harkonnen. Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skarsgård, Dave Bautista, Zendaya, Charlotte, Charlotte Rampling, and Javier Bardem reprise their roles from the first film with Austin Butler, Florence Pugh, Christopher Walken, Leah Sado, Sado, and so- Sohila Yakub joining the ensemble cast. Um, this released on March 1st, 2024. As of recording, we are recording on March 2nd, so it is fresh. Uh, I saw it last night. John, you said you saw it, was it uh, Wednesday night or Thursday night? On Thursday night, yeah, opening Thursday night. night. Which it was hilarious because there, there were only three people in the whole theater. I was just going to mention that like opening night nowadays is such a weird thing. Cause like back in the day, like yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that you're like about the same age as me. Like back in the day, we'd have people like lining up because you, yeah. couldn't, you couldn't pick your seats. You just right. had to show up when the movie started. And I mean, I remember the one that sticks in my mind the most is uh, the dark night. Uh, midnight okay, sure. going, and yeah. it was packed they didn't let anybody in the theater until like 10 minutes before the movie started i think and there was lines and it was i grew up in a small town and in the midwest so like yeah so it's not a huge theater but the line was going out the door like there were people waiting outside yeah it was like pretty ridiculous for that yeah i remember the theater being i don't remember if i went to see the midnight show on opening night but definitely it was a crowded theater when i went to see uh the dark night um the one the the show that i remember the movie that i remember uh waiting in line uh, for the midnight show, I, I'm pretty sure I went to see Revenge of the Sith uh, oh. on the midnight show, and um, and it was funny because they had some technical difficulties with it, and and it was taking a long time for it, for them to start the movie, and and the natives were getting a little restless, <laughs> and and there were a bunch of people cosplaying, and at one point, one you know. One one nerd like lit up his lightsaber and started waving it in the air, and like a bunch of other nerds also lit up their lightsabers and waved them in the air, and it was kind of hilarious. My, oh my gosh, that's yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Honestly, the, the whole theater experience in general is just not what it used to be. Um, the last packed out theater I went to, shockingly, was actually for Barbie last year. Yeah. There was a weird cultural phenomenon ar- around Barbenheimer. Uh-huh. Every, everybody was going to those movies, but besides those, I don't think I've been in a packed theater like for since COVID. Like it's just yeah, know, it's not common anymore. Yeah. Um. When I and I I did go to see Barbie, and the I think the theater was pretty was pretty full. I don't I don't really remember, but yeah, it was. 
Yeah, that whole phenomenon was was kind of was kind of bizarre, but Crazy. Uh, but <laughs> you know, it was it was nice that people sort of finally sort of had regained that the, a, enough of a sense of normalcy that they're mm-hmm. like, right. yeah, I can I can go to the theater and it's gonna be okay. Right. Yeah. And and I, I think it was awesome that neither of those movies were like superhero movies because that's like been the big thing for the past. I don't know, 10 years, probably like everybody shows up to go to the superhero movie. Right. But yeah, it's cool that that was around two movies that just had a lot of just general buzz. Like they Mm -hmm. weren't like a part of a universe or anything. They were just, they're just good old fashioned, like blockbuster movies and people went to see them. So that, that was pretty awesome. Um, and yeah, my that, uh, my brother bought me the book that Oppenheimer is based on, and I haven't gotten around oh, to it yet. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that would be interesting. And and the fact that yeah, the fact that one of those movies was an R-rated historical drama that almost yeah. made a billion dollars. Yeah, that's crazy. That, just looking back at that, I was like, wow, that is that is amazing. But you know, it's it doesn't always happen like that anymore. So hoping that Dune Part Two kind of catches a little bit of that craze because i mean that's that's really what it comes down to is that people on the street on the internet talking about what a great time they had going to see that movie so yeah we'll we'll see if i mean dune part two is going to be the biggest opening of this year for sure uh but it'll be interesting to see where it lines up on the big scope of box office grossing movies and maybe even comparison to dune part one because Part one came. When did that come out? That was like 2021, right? Was it that long ago? Um, Let me look. Yeah, 2021, which which actually was like right in the middle of COVID. So that probably didn't do well in the box office. Yeah. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. A lot of interesting things about Dune Part 2. And like I I mentioned before, we get a, a huge conglomerate of returning cast members, which was the best part about the first movie was the star studded cast. So the fact that we get all these names back and add a bunch more. And I was not aware that Christopher Walken was going to be in this movie. So when he showed up on screen, I was like, Whoa, okay. (laughs) Christopher Walken is a really interesting actor to me because like, because he's so, he's so quirky that like for me it's sometimes a little bit tough to take him really seriously mm-hmm. yeah but i feel like he dialed that down a little bit in this like he was not in full like more yeah. cowbell mode in this, <laughs> he, in this movie he, and yeah. and it's it's the better for it um right. i just saw him in um i watched uh severed or no severance Severed. uh here oh, recently man that show is so good and he's he's super he's he's like way out into quirk land in, <laughs> yes, in severance in <laughs> um but uh but I, I i liked him in this more than i like because he's he's good right he's a he's a really entertaining mm-hmm. actor but like he's almost got this like enigma around him that's like hard to like penetrate when you're watching a movie with him in it like there's like just his, something about him. His mannerisms are so specific, yeah, and so um, considered that that it's hard for me to not just see Christopher Walken when I'm watching him, right? Yeah, right. Um, 
and 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 when you're when you're in a movie that has a lot of like drama and, and is supposed to be kind of serious, then you don't want that in in your actors. You know, that's kind of it's it's kind of the same reason and for a completely different set of of, of factors. Um, I, f- I kind of feel the same way about Will Smith. You know, like you kind you kind yeah. of can never get away from the Will Smithness of Will mm-hmm. Smith. And you know, as long as all he has to do is like be kind of like charming and and cool then that's fine mm-hmm. um but well, in, okay, in the got... more dramatic moments of a film like the pursuit of happiness or what's the other like super serious one that he was in where he like ends up committing suicide by jellyfish oh i totally oh that's that like is ringing a bell but i don't whatever that one yeah like in those ones, he's less Will Smith, right? You know, and it's and it's it's to the benefit of those movies, right. and so, so uh, I, yeah. I've got a scale for you. So if Christopher yes. Walken is in the middle, Will Smith is more on the like down to earth side of that scale. Uh-huh. The other side, extreme version, Jeff of that, Goldblum. Well, actually, that's a really good one too. But I was going to say Nicolas oh. Cage. <laughs> Because you watch a Nicolas Cage movie, you're like, ah, this is Nicolas Cage. I don't know. I don't know about this. But uh, then he pulls out a good performance every once in a while. And you're like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Like, I, Nicolas Cage. See, I I don't know if I would, if I would put Nicolas Cage in that same category, honestly, for myself. Because he, like, he's, he's nearly always unhinged a little bit. But it's but I feel like it's not always in the same kind of way, right? You know, like like Nicolas Cage's I don't know charm, if you will, is is that like you kind of never really know what you're going to get. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and 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 that's 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 not the same thing that I'm talking about with Christopher Walken okay. or Will right. Smith or uh, Jeff Goldblum. Like with them, like you you kind of know exactly what you're going to get. A la also um, uh, the idiot from Saturday Night Live, uh, you know, the um, Happy Gilmore and Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. Oh, Adam yeah. Sandler is is the same character in almost all of his movies. <laughs> yes, he is. Except for the much better ones where he is not Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. Right? Sure. Yeah. So this is this is what I'm this is kind of what I'm talking about. Right. But yeah, Nicolas Cage is different than that. Like he's he's always a little bit crazy and you never really know what you're going to get and that's <laughs> and that's kind of what ma- makes Nicolas Cage great. All right. All right. I'll, I'll, so are I'll we talking about that. Dune? Is that what we're doing here? I guess maybe <laughs> maybe we should get back to that, I suppose. <laughs> all right. But first of all, I do want to mention that John has read Dune. I have not. So just a slight background on that. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to give just a quick non-spoiler review. And before we dive into, you know, revealing everything about this movie, if you want to get a little snippet of like, hey, what this movie is about, you can listen up to that point and then pause this podcast, go watch Dune Part 2, and then come back and listen to the rest. So, John, quick, like, 60-second, like, non-spoiler review of Dune Part 2. You know, the thing that really struck me when I was walking out of the theater, I thought, you know, more than any movie that I think I've seen at all recently, Dune 2 did a just incredible job 
of being like of like consistently creating its world. My suspension of disbelief was not challenged at all at any point through the movie. All of the visual effects had like their proper mass and weight and like I just I just believed the story, you know? And that's that's a really impressive feat when you set it next to stuff that you look at and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, CGI. Like, I didn't think CGI at any point throughout the entire movie. It's just beautifully rendered. It is a, a visually stunning movie. And it has a lot of, it has a lot of heft. And, and that is in keeping with its, uh, with its source material. So, yay or nay, did you like it? Yeah, yeah, for sure, absolutely. Okay, good. <laughs> I just wanted to clear that up. So two two gauntleted <laughs> thumbs up. <laughs> there you go, perfect. Yeah, I I am on the same page in a different sense. I did I loved it as well. Coming from Dune Part One, which I mean I, I say Part One, it's just called Dune. Right. But uh, I was not a huge fan of that movie. I had not seen the previous hmm. Dune, not read the books. It was <laughs> cinema wise. It was a great movie, yeah. but it just felt long to me and it was a lot of exposition and that's, that's okay. Yeah. It, it still wasn't a bad movie and I did not dislike it, but it wasn't, it didn't stick out to me as like, this is fantastic. I am going to grab hold of this and I can't wait for Dune part two to come out. Like Dune part two came out. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, it's it's uh, another one that I'll probably see when it comes to streaming. Lo and behold, my wife says she wants to go see Dune Part 2. And I was taken aback because she doesn't normally go see movies with me. And I was like, okay, like, mm -hmm. why? Why do you want to go to Dune Part 2? And she said that she has to support Zendaya. So <laughs> I was like... Oh, okay. Well, that's an interesting reason to want to watch this movie, but I'm taking every opportunity that we have to go, go and see this. That's a fascinating <laughs> statement to be making. Like, okay. All right. Well, I, right? I know. Well, whatever. I promise you, I was as shocked as you were just there right now when she said that. I was like, oh, Okay then. Well, I guess we're going to Dune Part Two. So I mean, I guess I'd I guess I'd rather support Zendaya by watching Dune Part Two than by going to watch like the weird polyamorous tennis movie that's coming out with her up soon. And, so yeah, she's in like Euphoria and some other stuff like that too. So yeah, I I'm I'm with you on that. But yeah, I was like, oh yeah, Dune Dune was fun. It was cool. You know, it had the vibes of like the big sci-fi fantasy epic and i yeah. was like oh yeah we'll get we'll get more of this in this one for sure and it delivered big time um yeah, i absolutely. still will say it i'm not like i'm not like gonna go over and be like this is now my favorite fantasy franchise i like this better than star wars and star Trek yeah and no but cinematically this movie is a masterpiece yeah. and it was an experience watching it in the theater and i would encourage anybody that's teetering on if they want to go in the theater versus wait for it in streaming. This is a movie that you are going to want to go see in theaters. It is very impressive. Yeah. Like the nearest, the nearest IMAX screen to me is pretty far away. 
so like I don't I I don't think I probably will go to do that, but like I've seen like ads from the cast talking about like how it's shot in IMAX and it should be seen in IMAX, and like I can I can see the the it's a strong case to be made yeah. that uh, that you, that you should avail yourself of that pro- uh, right. opportunity if you can. Absolutely, and the first I'd say like the even the first twenty to thirty minutes of the movie, the sound effects just blow your socks off. And that was in a regular theater. So yeah. in an IMAX, whew, can't even imagine. I, I'm sure it would be just absolutely a blast to watch an IMAX. So if I get a chance, I might, which is saying something because I didn't even see Dune in theaters at all. Mm-hmm. So the fact that I would go see Dune part two twice, that's a pretty big step up for me. Very much loved it. Definitely worth seeing in theaters and would struggling recommend that. All right. Now, here's our official spoiler warning. This is... Prepare yourself. An Infinity Bros. Prepare yourself. Spoiler. <laughs> warning. You have yeah, been warned. Yeah. Yep. We are diving into spoilers of Dune Part 2. The first thing I want to ask you is you have read the books and have you seen, I didn't ask you this before, but have you seen the the old like eighties? I, I did watch the old one. It was a long okay. time ago, um, <laughs> okay. but I, I did watch it and um, it was hard at the, at the time to, to do it justice mm-hmm. with the technology. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Just... And, and so there are some really, there are some fascinating things that they, that they pulled off with it uh that i that i think are cool i actually kind of dig the uh so the the like the personal shields that they have um in the old movie they were visualized really blocky it was like sort of um i don't know they don't really have it in tron but like but like it, it's literally like translucent like polygons like actual oh yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like blocks of this like force field armor around your, around your limbs and and extremities and everything. And so that was, that was actually kind of cool, but like in general, it was a little bit too staid. It wasn't dynamic enough. And that's something where, where these new movies definitely are, are much better. Yeah. The old ones weren't, the old one wasn't uh, amazing. There was also a sci-fi channel adaptation of, of, of several of the books. Interesting. Um, okay. I did not know that. Yep. Uh, right. that came out in like the, the early two thousands. I want to so say is that like a series. Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. A mini series, uh, gotcha. uh, like several, several mini series. Um, gotcha. so there's wow. Dune okay. and then cool. Dune Messiah and so children out of, of all of the adaptations. What did you, I mean, obviously cinematically we already mentioned like this is a masterpiece and obviously is much improved from those adaptations, but, yeah. and, and, from the book, how are the differences in the adaptation of Dune Part 2? And did you like, dislike some of those aspects? Or did they do a pretty good job of adapting the story? So one of the things that that has made Dune so difficult to adapt is how deep and how scientific its world building is. There's a, like, the, the Dune book goes pretty... Uh, deeply into the detail of the ecology of the planet and so 
when you when you sort of take that out, it leaves some weird some weird holes. And so I think they they did a pretty good job though of I don't know of I guess just kind of not worrying about that as much. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's, it's so it's a good adaptation. Um, and and also like in in full transparency, it's been a long time since I've read the books. Mm-hmm. Sure. So there's a lot that I'm that I'm sure I'm forgetting about the books. Although one notable sort of element of the world that is completely absent from the movies is the Orange Catholic Bible. Um and it's it's sort of it's not it's not like recognizable as the the Bible as we know it in any way, um but it's sort of a collection of of a lot of like religious uh, wisdom from from you know Christianity and Buddhism and and Hinduism and, and like all sorts of other made up stuff, um, but it kind of features prominently in the in in the first book and uh, and it's interesting that it's just like completely just, omitted, yeah, left it out from the movie and you know it's not it's not like a huge a huge loss but it was uh it was definitely a a part of the it was a part of the world building of the books that sort of tied it to our like our, our sort of actual history and mm-hmm. and set it uh you know specifically right. in in like our future mm-hmm. whereas whereas the dune movies like you don't necessarily watch that thinking like you know this is set in our universe right yeah you know true um so yeah i did not get that that like vibe at all that they were trying to portray our universe in the future type of thing so that yeah. that is interesting i i appreciate that yeah um so yeah i think i mean like we already mentioned cinem- cinematically this is like probably going to do very well at the oscars sound effects yeah it deserves to for sure uh, i mean it's probably going to be in the be- best picture conversation i i don't they, they always have a lot of these weird like indie type films in that conversation too so like I, it's hard to say that this is like a for sure winner of a best picture but yeah. it's it's it'll be in that conversation for sure um, but yeah, I mean, the performances all were incredible. I don't think there was one performance in it that I was like, not convinced of, you know, that everybody did a for sure. My, yeah. my biggest one personally was Timothy Chalamet because I've seen him in a few things and I'm just like, I don't really get the hype. Like he's, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's fine. Like he's not a bad actor or anything, but I just was like, why is everybody so like, crazy about this guy because he's pretty (laughs) he is pretty you're you're right about that but he (laughs) proved that he can swing it with the big dogs in this one like he is he is phenomenal in this one i absolutely loved his his portrayal as paul atreides he he got me on the atreides train like (laughs) i love this guy now yeah he's uh you know he, he definitely he's convincing as like his hauntedness is convincing. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, he's, he's carrying this burden and, and he sort of conveys the weight of it, you know, like, right. uh, 
like Elijah Wood in you know in <laughs> yeah. in like in like uh, Return of the King. Right. You know, you feel yeah. how this how how the ring is weighing him down, and you can feel how how his visions of the future are really like plaguing him. And um, yeah, it's it's really interesting. And I don't know how much how much really into like you know sort of deep thematic. Uh, stuff we want to go but go um, it, the uh the, the dune series was written expressly as like a thought experiment about like messiah figures right mm. and and dune 2 is is very explicit about uh how it is criticizing uh organized religion and how it is you know like we use this to control, you know, and, and the, the easiest people that we prey on are those who are fearful. Right. Uh, and yeah, they literally say that like word for word. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> um, so, uh, and, and, you know, when you have these people who believe like they, they will not countenance a challenge to that belief, you know, when, uh, when Chani is talking to Stilgar and says like, this stuff is made up, like the Bene Gesserit made it up. And he's like, no, it's blasphemy. Like, <laughs> like they, they just won't hear it. Mm-hmm. And, and so like, as a person of faith, like that kind of stuff is always a little bit frustrating to me. And also like, in in the world uh, in which we currently find ourselves, like unfortunately, there are these these elements of oh man, we're gonna like get in big trouble <laughs> get here, real deep. <laughs> there are there are there are elements of 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 Christendom that have that have really lost a sense of curiosity. I think, you know, and, yeah. and that are not comfortable with, with mystery, you know, mm-hmm. in there, are, there are swaths of the church that, that really like to have everything buttoned down and like, mm-hmm. and like cleanly systematized mm-hmm. and like have an explanation and, for everything. Yeah. And who, and who look at the Bible and say like, if I approach this with the correct interpretive uh, uh, metrics and, and the right the right hermeneutics is is the technical term, uh, then then I will put a, a glossary at the in our show notes. <laughs> <laughs> then then I will arrive at uh, at the proper interpretation and. And, and, and you should hear the, the capital letters at, mm. at the beginning of each of those words right now. Um, <laughs> and, because this is what it means. And if you, if you understand a little bit about, about the, the, the literary conventions that are present in the different, in the different uh, genres that exist in the Bible, then, then you start to realize like, you know, like the correct interpretation exists in far fewer cases than than a lot of us are actually going to be comfortable with. And so to to get back to Dune, <laughs> you know, there's a yeah, there's a degree to which I am I am I'm less 
I'm less frustrated by some of that critique as I as I have been at other times. Have you read Dune Messiah as well? That's the that's the second book, correct? So so I I read Dune and okay. then I watched the sci-fi adaptation of Messiah and Children of Dune and then I read God Emperor and Chapter House Dune, which are the okay. the the fifth and sixth uh, the fourth and fifth uh books in the series. And boy, do they get weird. <laughs> like, man, especially, especially Chapter House Dune. Like, like basically the premise of Chapter House Dune is it, it goes into the future quite a bit. And they clone Duncan Idaho. And there's like a, there's like a rival faction of the Bene Gesserit that are, that are taking over, kind of taking over the galaxy by like, uh, through sex, essentially, like they are, they're, they're like they like send they like they like send agents to to suborn uh, powerful people through like uh, the like the sheer intensity of of the sexual pleasure that they can give them, and it's really <laughs> oh it's, it's 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 a little bit bizarre. Wow. Yeah. Okay, were these books? continue to be written by frank herbert or do they have different authors so through chapter house dune that was frank herbert and then after that uh you got a lot of prequel stuff that was uh co-authored by uh his son brian herbert and another uh, science fiction author named uh uh, kevin anderson kevin j anderson who's a who's a uh, Kevin J. Anderson is a is a really is a decent writer uh, in his own in his own regard and has like a big uh, epic sort of space opera series that's pretty cool uh, called the Saga of Seven Sons. Um, but uh, I haven't actually read any of that other uh, material because I'm okay. given to understand that it's uh, it's not great. Okay, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> you know, sometimes you got to take the plunge and and watch that bad thing or read that bad thing <laughs> other times sometimes it's just not worth the time that you have to put into it so yeah well and and at this point for me uh so so my one great literary regret is that i took the time to read the entire wheel of time series <laughs> really Interesting. like okay. there like there is some truly incredible like fantasy like just moments of transcendent awesomeness in the wheel of time series. But on the whole, I found it to not be worth the investment. So do you, did you find that as you continued reading that it got less and less interesting to you or like, yes. or was it, so it was like pretty good when you started and that's like hooked you into it. Yeah. Yeah. Because so there are 13 books long about book. I think it's like at the end of book six, like something just earth shattering happens. And then book seven is like the lead up to that event. And then reaction to, and then reaction to that event from the perspective, like of of a bunch of secondary characters that you don't care about. And, and it does not move the overall story forward in the slightest interesting and then like and then that happens again like later on and you're just like (laughs) when will this be over 
Like I've been reading these books for two years. Can we be done? So yeah. Wow. All right. Well, there you go. There's your uh, little plug for the wheel of time book series. Your, your anti-plug. The don't anti-plug. read it. Yeah. Right. Oh, for wheel of time. Um, Wait, are we talking about doom? I think we, I think we were at some point. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So I, I asked you about those books. Um, Cause I would assume that Dennis Villeneuve, who is the director of Dune and Dune Part Two, yeah. I would assume that he's going to at least make another one, Dune Messiah. I'm I'm given to understand that he wants to do Dune Messiah, and that's that's what he's got planned through. Okay. Yes, but maybe that's yeah. it then for him, and he's like, we're going to stop after that. Sort of the whole the whole the overarching premise of the Dune books is that like you know, these, these Messiah figures are not always great. And, 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 and that, that turns out as the Dune books progress, that turns out to very much be the case. Um, And, and it's not like, it's not an especially like happy um, story. Like he doesn't, he doesn't really like, basically what he ends up doing is like, I am going to become a terrible despot and I'm going to spawn a, uh, a a dynasty of terrible despots so that we can like conclusively demonstrate to humanity across the stars and across the eons that we must never create political structures that will ever again allow there to be such a terrible despot (laughs) and yeah so so it's uh it's a it's a little bit bleak (laughs) to say the least (laughs) oh man that is that's something man yeah so we'll see how that how that ends up uh how that ends up working out as like a tidy three-part story uh in a in in a cinematic uh, trilogy yeah yeah we'll have to uh we'll have to come back to that when uh, dune messiah uh is announced and and eventually comes out <laughs> so yeah uh, yeah lots of interesting uh speculation to talk about but i mean in and of itself dune part two was fantastic um you actually mentioned that you're a musician as well han zimmer mm-hmm. does an incredible you score. know, I'm not I'm not always a huge fan of Hans Zimmer scores. Like like okay. sometimes I find them to be like okay, so for instance, um the Hans Zimmer score for Man of Steel, I hate. Really? I actually okay. hate because like Superman like and and this is explicit in the movie and I don't know what how Zack Snyder figured it out as much because he's on record as not understanding why people like Superman but somehow <laughs> even he managed to to grab on to this bit of Superman lore that the symbol on his chest is based on the Kryptonian glyph for hope and Superman is a character that should make you feel hopeful and uplifted yeah and and uh, we we talked uh briefly in the in the patreon uh segment about john williams and the john williams score you just try 
to listen or even hum, if you will, a couple bars of the Superman theme from the old Superman movies. And and I defy you not <laughs> to feel better or like I defy you for that for a smile not to be charmed onto your face by the Superman because like this the music literally sings out to you, Superman, and like it's gonna be okay because Superman yeah. is here. You yeah. know, and and the fact that that the Hans Zimmer score for Man of Steel was so oppressive, and like and like the theme, like like the Superman theme in the Hans Zimmer score goes like this: goes like, bah, bah. <laughs> foreboding, more bah, so. Bah, <laughs> Bob, ah, come <laughs> on! Like, let's have something with a little bit of life, can we? Mm-hmm. And so, um, I mean the the stuff, the work that he did on the on the Dark Knight movies was was fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. because because for, for something that's a little bit edgier and darker, like I think he I, I think he works in that vein really well. Mm-hmm. Um. But, uh, but, but, okay. So, sorry, let's get back to Dune again. Back to Dune. Back to Dune. This, it was fantastic. Like it had like, it had like this cool, like tribal vibe mm-hmm. that really right. works. Um, it was exotic. It was, uh, uh, it was mysterious and, and it, uh, it definitely like as the best movie scores do, it, it brought like a very uh, particular kind of life uh, into the, into the movie. And, uh, and it was, it was fabulous. Yeah. It honestly helps set the tone in that universe. Like so well, it, yeah. just, it just pairs so well with, with that universe. It just, it was phenomenal. Hans Zimmer, incredible score. We already mentioned the performances. I just wanted to mention quickly that like that, uh, the Harkonnen trio with the, uh, Dave Batista, Stellan Skarsgård, and uh, what was the other? Austin Butler. Yeah, <laughs> those were some. Uh, those are some great choices for the villain or antagonist type casting. Just uh, yeah. I loved it. Dave Batista, dude, is actually a pretty great actor. I, I he really is a great am, actor. Yeah. yeah, I really appreciated him in a lot of a lot of different projects. I love how in this movie he just is turned into a coward. Like and and I don't remember the first sure. one enough to really. I, he seemed like pretty hardcore in the first one. Well, yeah, but the, as as is always the case with cowards, mm-hmm. right? He is exceptionally bold when the tide is in his favor, in his and favor. he has the entire army at his back, <laughs> and yeah. he has he's pounced on his prey with the element of surprise. Mm-hmm. But as soon as he actually encounters uh resistance yep. that, uh, that he can't overwhelm, uh, he scurries uh, away. Well, that was a great part in that final confrontation when he just literally books it out of there and is like going to leave. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, um, Josh Brolin's character comes in and confronts him. But yeah, that was, <laughs> I love that. I was like, Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, this is fantastic. Stellan Skarsgård. Great as always. And Austin yeah. Butler, that guy is, he's gotta be 
maybe in the conversation to be nominated for like supporting actor. Sure. That's an incredible performance. Dude. Yeah. uh, Yeah. He acted his butt off and he was a intense and threatening villain. Yeah. That was a, that's a scary, that's a scary villain. Like, uh, outside of a outside of a literal horror movie, I don't know about a villain that just like oozes menace, right? More more than he did. Great set of antagonists, and we already talked about Christopher Walken. He, yeah. <laughs> he I mean, it works. Like he did yeah, a great job with this film. So, um, and they're honestly now thinking about it. It was the perfect role for him because I don't think I could have seen him play anything else in this movie. He nails that like kind of hoity-toity emperor that, you know, doesn't really dirty his boots. Yeah. Things very well. You know, um, so I just watched. Uh, so speaking of of classic uh, sci-fi literature, I got through the uh, the Foundation series. Oh, I've heard about uh, that one. Yeah. So it goes it goes pretty far afield from the source material, which is hard not to do because the foundation books are are, are highly like episodic. They're actually a collection of of like anthology stories from like back in the in in ye olden days when there were uh, when there were science fiction magazines that 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 like published uh short uh sci-fi stories. That's where Isaac Asimov originally published those stories. And so like the first couple foundation books are actually just like a collection of those, of those short stories. And so like the connective tissue is, is a little bit loose. And so if you're going to adapt it into like a television series, you, you have to, to take a, a pretty uh, high amount of license uh, with sure. that. Yeah. But sorry, all of that is to get back to say that it's interesting to compare the Christopher Walken's emperor uh, character with the emperors that are that are present in the in the Foundation series, <laughs> and and there's a there kind of is a a little bit of a similar vibe, honestly, of like this unshakable sense that the the universe will bend to my whims you know right. and and then uh, you know of course and then of course what we all love to see is that is is for that sense uh of security to be broken you know and mm-hmm. uh and and that was that was a great part of his performance in yeah. in dune too uh when he realizes that like his uh his play is over you mm-hmm. know like He's he's not in charge anymore. It was a great performance. Honestly, that whole sequence. Uh, I actually want to talk about that sequence where I mean, we get the final battle. Yeah, they are able to invade the like throne room or whatever. The fight between dude. Paul Atreides and and the Harkonnen dude. What was that Harkonnen guy? I forget. Uh, Fade Routha. Fade Routha. Um, yeah. Who that fight that. Was- was okay so in the history of cinema there are several there are several legendary fight scenes right and one of the best you know sort of sword or or, you know bladed uh, edged implement duels of course is found in the princess bride yes (laughs) love that one and and the choreography of the princess bride's uh sword fight scene is is masterful 
but it's also um you know you don't you don't really sense it doesn't really convey a sense of danger because it's not intended to, right? Like right, yeah. it's supposed to be like like a like a, like a dance with swords, right? Exactly. This thing is most decidedly not any sort of dance, <laughs> not and, at all. And and that really it blew my mind as I was watching it. I was like, mm-hmm. holy crap! Like this actually looks like they genuinely want to murder each other. Yeah. Yeah, like it was, it was it intense. Is, that that is probably one of the most convincing fight scenes that I can remember seeing. Like in in some of the Bourne movies, it gets really brutal, and like I believe those fights. Right, those are good. But like you know, when you when you talk about Star Wars, like the lightsaber fights, like those are so highly stylistic in their choreography mm-hmm. that that it just it doesn't. It, it's not brutal. And this was brutal. It was brutal, big time. Yeah, I mean, we we talked about on the Infinity Rose podcast a while back, kind of the, the lightsaber fight that you just mentioned. Like, there are a pretty wide variety of lightsaber fights in Star Wars that, like, you got, you know, Obi-Wan versus Anakin in Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. That's very... And these guys are master swordsmen. Yeah. So this is a like crazy, like tons of like choreography, uh, like sword movements and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. And then you go to the sequel trilogy and you've got Ray and Kylo, Mm -hmm. which is a much different battle. But yeah, in that battle and in also in Obi-Wan, the series with. Yeah with Anakin, Darth Vader and Obi-Wan. Right. You see the emotion in yes. that those fights more yep. so than in the and obviously there's emotion in the obi-wan anakin one but like there's sure. this range of it's, like hey yeah. we're focusing on the emotion in this fight mm-hmm. or we're focusing on the choreography in this fight and this this fight nailed it like right in the middle the emotion yeah. was Holy intense cow. the choreography was incredible it was just an overall best scene in the movie in my opinion i i was on the edge of my seat through through that that. was that was a fabulous scene you know the other scene that i really loved was the the fremen's assault on the uh on like i guess it was like the spice mining yeah big big uh facility thing yeah because that that more than anything is is the scene that i think about when i when i said back at the beginning how like my my uh my my sense of my my suspension of disbelief was not challenged yeah and like and a lot of times when you have like this big you know sort of machine something that's obviously not real if you think about it right yeah um that's that's where you would you would normally like see the seams well and and that also speaks to the immersiveness of this movie just like like you said the suspension of disbelief just like it, it wasn't there. Like I believed everything that happened yeah. in this movie. Absolutely. Even though, you know, there's stuff that's incredible in it did not take me out of the movie one bit. Right. So yeah, just the only, I would say the only negative that I really even have about this movie is that there is, and this is not even, I, I struggle to even call it a negative because it's, it's essential to the story, but there's a lot of exposition and dialogue which again is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. The first, this is, this is where the first one 
was not as interesting to me because almost the whole movie was exposition and dialogue. There's a lot it of was, setup in the first. It's movie. good. It's good exposition and dialogue, but still needs to keep me engaged and interested, which it yeah. did in this movie. So again, not a knock, but like I still felt the length of this movie. Whereas like some mm. movies you're like Avengers Endgame pff, that went by in 10 minutes to me. And that was probably more <laughs> so because I was so invested in the universe at that time, sure. not because the movie was like the best movie of all time. Yeah. But I still felt the length in this and not for any specific reason, but just still felt long. So I felt was, the like, length of it because I started it, like the, my showtime started at eight ten, and I was already <laughs> yeah. tired because I I'm a, because I'm an old man now. <laughs> And, and I, right. I did, I did actually like slightly drift off mm. for just a couple of moments, <laughs> like in the middle, like as they were getting ready and for the big battle, slapped yourself a couple like, of times. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's, it's a, it, it's a long one. Yeah. Long it needs, one, yeah. it needs some endurance, <laughs> but, and, and again, you know, I, I don't think that's a huge knock. I think every, almost every moment of this movie was essential. Like I, I don't oh, think yeah. anything needs to be cut out to make it a tolerable length or anything like right. that. But yeah, you definitely need to like gear up and be like, all right, we're, we're sitting down for this three hour movie here. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my only like knock on it. But I, I love now going back. I, I want to go back and watch the first one to get all the exposition that I forgot about or missed in the first one. You know, I didn't I wish I would have gotten a chance to watch it before leading up to this one because that would have probably helped me understand what was going on again. I kind of like had to get a refresher in the first couple of minutes of the movie. I was like, who's this? Whoa, yeah. what am I, what am I doing here? But yeah, now I want to go watch that because this movie was so good. It's driving me to go. And I've, I've had Dune the books on my list for a while. So there I'll get to those eventually, but you know, if you're kind of trying to get back into the swing of reading, I wouldn't start with Dune. <laughs> Because because it's, it's further uh, down on my list, so we're, you, we're and, and you, you know it is the science fiction of of you know like the fifties and sixties and seventies like it was a different kind of writing really like there's a lot of it that's it's more demanding of you as a reader like it expects you to 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 be kind of dialed in mm-hmm. and and I think it's it's frequently less interested in like in like really entertaining you than in bringing you along for this thought experiment because that's what science fiction is really science fiction is a thought experiment Mm -hmm. and it takes like questions that we want to ask in our world and it takes our world away from those questions right so we can kind of get at them in in a different way and so that we can think about them apart from the assumptions that we have about how our world works. You know, that's what science fiction is for. So when you have these like elder statesmen of, of the science fiction genre, like Frank Herbert and like Isaac Asimov, they're, they're sometimes less interested in, in entertaining you. And, right. and so that, that, that means that you need to bring a certain discipline with you when you're reading 
need to bring uh, my notebook with stuff. me to the theater. <laughs> well, the movie is definitely interested in entertaining you <laughs> yeah. more than the yeah. book is. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable saying that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it did a phenomenal job of that. So all we got left, I mean, we could probably continue to talk about this movie for a while, but I do want to start wrapping us up here. So John moment of truth here. What was your rating of Dune part two on our, on our six point infinity bros scale. You know, I, I, I struggle to find a way to, to ding it in any way for me. There's no reason not to just go ahead and give it full marks. You know, like I think, it, I think it deserves to be, it deserves mm-hmm. to be a six, frankly. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's totally fair, especially of a, a guy that's, you know, got some background on it that, <laughs> you know, you're into that, the sci-fi like genre as deep as you are. I think that's absolutely fair because of the length of it. And because of just my lack of context in, in that universe, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to give it a six, but it's still an absolutely incredible movie. I'd give it a, like a 5.8 out of six, like just, just like a tiny bit with the Mm -hmm. length on me. I do appreciate a good movie. Number one and number two, like sci-fi in general. Mm -hmm. Um, So, this one hit those right on the head for sure. But I just don't think I am the one that it's like targeted to fully appreciate in that sense, though. Incredible movie. And I think it deserves all of the awards that it'll get at the Oscars this year. So or next year, I guess, because this year's Oscars are from 2023. So. Right. So, yeah, definitely incredible movie. Anything quick you want to mention uh, that we haven't touched on before we kind of wrap things up here you know there are a couple of things that i I kind of i kind of thought we might get to but but they won't be quick and so i won't bring (laughs) it up right now next time next (laughs) time time. you're gonna you are a perfect guest to have on for this episode because you brought so much more knowledge to it than i or any of the infinity bros would have so so thank you so much for joining us for this episode john it was very much my pleasure thanks for having me yeah, absolutely. And if you are listening to this, thank you so much for supporting the Infinity Bros. You can catch us on any major podcast platform or on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Twitch, YouTube, all of the things. And you can catch Robbie ripping MTG packs on Drip and selling those and shipping them off as well. So make sure you check that out. All of those links will be in the show notes. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thank you so much for making us a part of your podcast experience. We love you 3000. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Infinity Bros podcast. You can find the Infinity Bros on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Twitch, and YouTube at the Infinity Bros. You can also check out our website at theinfinitybros.com for links, reviews, and sweet merch. Feel free to send listener feedback via social media or email at infinitybrospodcast at gmail.com.